we are in our series, Get Used to Different. And as we said at uh, the beginning of the series, different can be scary. Because different usually brings along some kind of change. We're, we're doing something one way, and now we're going to do something different, and that's scary. Because it's changing the way we do things. Unless, if the way we're doing things isn't working. Then, different is welcomed, maybe even craved, maybe desired. When something's not working, different is a good thing. And that's why we're doing this series, Get Used to Different. And what we're looking at are the core values that drive our church. And so over the last couple weeks, what have we seen? We're going to be different because we're going to have more joy than guilt. We're not going to completely abandon talking about sin because it's sin and recognizing that we're sinful, that brings us the joy of Jesus. In fact, if we don't talk about guilt, we can't have as much joy. Because we will fail to realize just how much our God loves us and forgives us. But the thrust of our message is not going to be to heap on guilt. The thrust of our message is not going to be you need to do this, X, Y, and Z in order to be good with God. No, we are good with God. We have peace with God because Jesus our Savior forgives us our sins. And that's the joy that we have every Sunday as we gather together. Last week we heard that we take God's truth seriously. We take God's truth seriously. Uh, we don't make God's will submit to ours. We submit our will to God's will. We don't twist Scripture to fit our agenda. We preach Jesus. We preach God's word truthfully. I don't stand up here and give you Stephen App's opinion. We preach God's truth. We don't preach a denomination. We preach God's truth. That's what we preach. And we take God's truth seriously. Which is good news. Because in a world where there's a lot of fake news, and you don't know where you can go to find truth, we open up Scripture and we hear God's truth. Timeless. Through all generations. Today, we look at we support each other like family. We support each other like family. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so the question I want to ask you and for you to be thinking about is this. How do you view church? How do you view church? And I'm going to give you two ways to narrow it down even a, a little bit more. Do you view church as a me thing? Or do you view church as a we thing? And if you say, well, of course, I know what the answer is. Church is a we thing, what does that look like? What does it look like for church to be we, not me? So what we're going to look at as we talk about 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 6 through 13. Paul is in Athens at the time as he writes this letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, he's on his second missionary, missionary journey uh, as he's going around the known world starting churches and in this particular missionary journey, he's gone through Macedonia. So he's been through Philippi, Thessalonica, and now he's down in Athens spreading the message of Jesus. And he's in Athens, and he's struggling. In fact, he says he's distressed, he's afflicted, he's been persecuted. Uh, you can imagine he's probably lonely. And on top of all of that, he's in Athens, and he's having no luck spreading the gospel message. There are very few converts 
in, in the city of Athens. And then he receives word from the churches in the, in the province of Galatia that they are turning their backs on Paul and on his message. They are going back from knowing Jesus as their Savior to going back to Jesus plus I need to do this, this, and this in order to be good with God. And so Paul has to pen and write the letter to the Galatians. And if you read through Galatians, it was not an easy letter to write because Paul had to write extremely harsh to these people because they're turning their backs on their Savior. He's been persecuted, threatened. And now you've got to imagine he's in Athens feeling lonely, he's distressed, he's afflicted, persecuted. And it's in this moment that Paul says in chapter 3, that Timothy came from Thessalonica. Here's what we're told. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. We're coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas, and isn't that what we, we long for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Why? Ah, because we long to be with family around the holidays to gather together because we have fond memories together. Paul says, we long to be with you just like you long to be with us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God, of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Notice what Paul says. He's distressed, he's afflicted, he's persecuted, and when word comes from the Thessalonians, when Timothy brings word of the Thessalonians' faith and love, what's it do for Paul? Encourages him. It encouraged Paul. Paul feeling lonely, distressed, is now encouraged by the faith and love of the Thessalonians. All of this is worth it now, Paul thinks. You think people can relate to Paul today? Maybe not so much when they go and, and spreading churches and spreading the message of Jesus, but do you think people can relate to feeling alone, distressed, Afflicted, persecuted, lonely. I read an article today, uh, not today, I read an article this week for today uh, that said since 2018, loneliness in our country has gone up 13%. That three in five Americans are lonely. And guys, this isn't a girl thing. Guys are more lonely than girls. We have a pandemic of loneliness in our country. We have a pandemic of loneliness in our country. And this is what Paul had to be feeling as he's not having any luck in Athens. There are very few people there that were supporting him. Then the Galatians turned their back on him. Everything seemed to be falling apart. Can you relate? Have you felt that before? And then the news came from Thessalonica. And Paul was encouraged. This is what a church family does. And it's your first point today. We are encouraged by our church family. 
In fact, did you see, did you notice what Paul said? We are now living because you are standing firm in Jesus. It's almost like Paul was about to go out, so to speak. The, the wind was out of his sails. He was getting ready, but now he's alive. He's got pep in his step. He's, he's ready to go because he's been encouraged by the Thessalonians. And isn't that what we need in our lives today? We need that encouragement. We need that wind in our sails, so to speak, because this life is hard. It doesn't matter who you are. This life is filled with hardships, with difficulties. There are moments in our life where everything seems to just be going wrong and we need to be encouraged. And that's just life in general. But as Christians, life is even harder. You heard that right. <laughs> as Christians, life is even harder. Why? Because we not only have the hardships of the world, but the devil wants to pick you off. The devil wants nothing more than to drag you away from Jesus, and so he's working overtime on you to do just that. In 1 Peter 5, it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The lion never goes at the middle of a pack. What does the lion look for? The one that's in distress. The one that's isolated. The one that's by itself hurting, and then it picks it off. The devil wants nothing more than to drag you away from Jesus. And when you are distressed, when you are hurting, when you are isolating yourself, you set yourself up for a target for the devil. This is why we need encouragement. Just like Paul needed the encouragement of the Thessalonians, we need encouragement from our church family. I've told this story before, so if you've heard it, I apologize, but there's a story of a, a man who uh, was in church on a regular basis. Every Sunday, this man was in church. When all of a sudden, one Sunday, he was gone. He was gone a second Sunday. And then a third. And pretty soon, it became eight Sundays, two months, where this guy who was regularly in church no longer was in church. They reached out, they had called, they would emailed, they texted, Nothing. And so finally on a cold winter night, the pastor made his way over to the man's house, fearing the worst. He knocked on the door, and he waited. And all of a sudden he heard the locks unlocking, and the man opened the door and just looked at the pastor. Without saying a word, he let the pastor in, closed the door, and both men went and sat in front of the fireplace, where they sat and they stared at the fire for a little while the only sound being the crackling of the wood as the fire was uh, going. After a few moments, the pastor got up, took the tongs, and, and reached in and grabbed a coal. And he took the coal out from the middle of the fire, and he placed it off to the side, and he sat back down. And both men watched as that coal, bright orange and red, began to fade until finally it was gray and black. Then the pastor got up, took the tongs again, took the coal, and put it back into the fire. And immediately the coal turned bright red and orange once again. The pastor sat back down. The man looked at the coal, looked at the pastor, and said, Great sermon, pastor. I'll see you Sunday. 
this is what Paul was feeling. He was feeling like that coal where things were, where his life was going out, where his faith was even being, where, where he might have even questioned his faith. Is all of this worth it? And then word came from Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, and he was encouraged, and he was bright again. And this is what we need here at Divine Savior. As you come to church on Sunday morning, you are encouraged as you hear the message of Jesus, the joy of the forgiveness of sins, the joy of eternal life for you. You are encouraged when you come on Sunday morning as you talk to your family, your divine Savior family. You are encouraged as you come to Connect Group and Bible study and you join and grow in those relationships. You are encouraged as you join in our fellowship events, as you get to grow with each other. We, we get to encourage one another. We get to be encouraged when we come here because it's needed. And if you've been listening this whole time and you're wondering, well, if life is harder as a Christian, why do I even want to be a Christian? It's because Christians get to go to bed at night knowing a couple things. Knowing that our sins are forgiven through Jesus. Knowing that the God of this world and I and you, we have a good relationship because of Jesus. We have no guilt. We have no shame. We have no fear of death because Jesus has conquered the grave. We know exactly what the next life holds, and it's with us, with our God, forever, in the joy of heaven. And, and so even though this life is harder as a Christian, as difficult as this is, we get to join with Christian believers, with our family of believers, to be encouraged through this life as we all press on to heaven. That's what Paul needed. It's what we needed. It's what we need. And that's what we get to provide here at Divine Savior. But that encouragement leads to something else. And that's what Paul tells us in verse 10. Paul was encouraged by them, and now he says, basically, I can't wait to get to you to supply what's lacking in your faith. Paul said, you provided for me, I now want to provide for you. And that's your second point. We provide what is missing in our church family. This wasn't a judgment on the Thessalonians' faith. Paul had three weeks to teach them about Jesus before he was driven away because he was, his life was threatened. So Paul says, I want to come back. I'm encouraged. I want to come back and build you up more. I want to build you up more. And isn't that what a family does? It's hard to be a consumer in a family where you just take but instead, a family is one where we are encouraged and provided for, and then we provide for others. That's what a family is. That's what a family does. That's what a church family does. And so let's go back to that opening question. How do you view church? Is it a me thing? Or a we thing? What does your actions show? What does your heart show? Do you, are, are you always coming and just being encouraged? You come in right before church, you come in right as the first song is sing, uh, being sung, and then as soon as the, the last song is over, you're out without talking to anybody? Are you the one that's always providing and never being encouraged? And the reason you're never encouraged 
is because you never open up and tell somebody what's wrong. You're not vulnerable enough to let somebody in to encourage you. You see, we want to be a a, a church. We want to be a family because that's what God wants us to be because that's what God has made us to be. We want to be a a family that, that does what God says, bear each other's burdens, forgive one another, love each other, encourage one another. All the more as you see the day approaching, God says. We want to be a family that bears each other's burdens, forgives, shows mercy, and provides. See, we want to we switch our thinking of what church is. Church isn't a me thing where I just come, I hear a message, I sing some songs, and I go on with the rest of my life. No, we want church to be a we thing where we're investing in each other, where we're supporting each other like a family. Why? Because it's a nice thing to do? Because I need more friends? Because we don't want to be lonely? No, there's something deeper than that. And Paul closes up his letter, actually, in 1 Thessalonians 5 with it. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. What's the why? It's because Jesus has appointed you and me, not for wrath, but for salvation. It's because Jesus, our God, shed his blood for you and for me to forgive us our sins, to conquer the grave, so that we may live together with him. Yes, me and Jesus, but also we and Jesus. You see, God has forged us together as a family through the blood of Jesus. He has brought us into the family of God by forgiving all of our sins and bringing us into his family. And we're all pressing on for the same goal. And that goal is to live together with him forever in heaven. And in a world that is constantly working to bring us away from Jesus, with the devil who is trying to pick each and every one of us off, in in a world with its hardships and afflictions, we want to encourage each other and build each other up just as we are doing Build each other up in the forgiveness of sins. Build each other up in eternal life. Build each other up in Jesus. Provide for each other, both physical and spiritual, because we are family now and forever. As you look around the people you're sitting with, you're looking at people that you're going to spend eternity with as your brothers and sisters in Christ. You want them there just as much as they want you there. And we have the opportunity to support each other like family through this life as we all press on to the goal of heaven. So that's what we want to do as divine Savior. We want to carry out what Paul and Thessalonians had, to support each other like family, to be encouraged, and to provide for others. How are we going to do that as a church? A couple ways. Number one, Worship on Sunday morning. We're here to gather together 
as a family of believers around the means of grace, God's word and his sacraments, where we get to be built up and encouraged in our Savior Jesus. And then we're going to come and worship on Sunday morning, and we're not going to leave as soon as it's over. We're going to stay and have fellowship, even if it's just having a conversation with somebody before you leave, because that, that conversation can encourage somebody who may need that encouragement that you don't even know. It's changing the me mindset to a we mindset. This is my church family. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ that I get to gather with on Sunday morning. We're going to have fellowship events. Yes, we're going to have fellowship events. This is your second one. We're going to have fellowship events as church-wide where we have big potlucks where we get together and we get to eat together around food and it's great. But we also want to encourage you to have fellowship events on your own. When you have birthday parties, invite your church family. When you have a bonfire outside or a fire in your front yard, invite church family to grow together, do life together, have fellowship with one another. Number three, our connect groups and Bible studies. We have small group Bible studies that we call connect groups. And it's an opportunity to get out of the walls of church and into each other's homes where we have fellowship with one another, where we grow together around God's word and in each other's lives. And if you've been to a connect group or if you've never been to a connect group because you don't think you get a lot out of it, I'm going to ask you to change your mindset because that's a me mindset instead of a we mindset. Because church is not a me thing, it's a we thing. God wants us in our groups and to do lives together, to be in each other's homes, to grow around the apostles' teaching so that we can encourage one another. And if we go into connect group and Bible study on Sunday morning with the mindset of, I'm here to encourage someone else, do you know what's going to happen? We're going to leave encouraged as well. And then finally, your fourth one. As a church, we're going to provide family shepherds. What is a family shepherd? These are people in our church that want to love you, care for you, pray for you. They're going to be praying for you on a regular basis. They're going to reach out when there's new connect group opportunities, when there's a new Bible study opportunities, when there's an event like Baptism Sunday coming up, and they're going to encourage you to join. If they haven't seen you in, in several weeks at church, they're going to reach out. Not because they want to pressure you to come, but because they want to make sure that you're okay. And if you're not, can we provide meals? Can we come visit you? What can we do to help you? We're going to provide family shepherds, and if you're interested in being one, come talk to me. If you're interested in loving and caring for people like this, we're always looking for more people uh, because we can't have enough family shepherds. This is what we're going to do as a, a church family to provide that family feel. But now the question is, what can you do personally? Where to start? If you're sitting here and you're feeling convicted because you realize that you've been looking at church as a me-first mindset, first, repent. Repent of that. And turn to your Savior Jesus as he assures you once again that when he shed his blood on the cross, it covered that sin too. It covered that guilt as well. And so know that you are forgiven through your Savior Jesus. And now, like Zacchaeus, turn and look and say, how can I love someone today? And it doesn't have to be as ex extraordinary as Zacchaeus did. It can be a first step. If you've done nothing up to this point, 
Maybe you start by praying for somebody here. Maybe your start is, I'm just going to make sure I talk to at least one person on Sunday morning. If you're already doing that, maybe your next step is, I'm going to join a connect group where I get to invest in other people's lives. If you've done that, maybe the next step is saying, I'm ready to be a family shepherd where I get to care, love, and pray for others. This is the steps we take as we support each other like family. And today we're going to close with Paul's prayer. Uh, Okay, we don't have it all. Here we go. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's pray as we ask Jesus to clear our way to them. Let's pray. What, what, what would it look like if we prayed that God clear the way of our busy schedule so that we had time to invest in one another? What would it look like if we asked God to clear the pride that is in the way that's not letting us be encouraged by one another? What if we ask God to clear the judgment from our hearts so that we can actually be an encouragement to someone else and not judge them for the way they're living or what they've done? What would it look like if we asked God to clear the way so that we can invest in one another? And then let's ask God to fill our love cup so high that we're overflowing with love for one another, not just with words, but with actions as we provide for one another. And then the third prayer that Paul says. Let's pray that our hearts are strengthened, that our faith is strengthened so that on that day when Jesus comes, we are found holy and blameless, not because of what we've done or haven't done, but because our Savior Jesus covers us with his love and forgiveness. Let's grow in his love that we may love each other and support each other like family. May God bless us as we carry this out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for your love, the love that sent your son Jesus here to cover all of our sin. We thank you that he lived for us, he died for us, he rose for us, conquering sin, freeing us from the guilt of sin that we may live eternally with you. We thank you for repairing our relationship so that we can be called children of God and that's what we are because of Jesus. Let your love fill us that we may love one another uh, as a church family. This, this life is hard, it's difficult, and Satan is constantly working against all of us, and, and we need all the support we can get. Help us to support each other like family and change our mindset from a me mindset to a we mindset when it comes to our church. Help us to invest in one another. Clear the, the way so that we may come to one another. Clear our busy schedules, our pride, our judgment. Clear everything that needs to be cleared so that we can uh, invest in one another and encourage each other all the more as we see the day approaching. Continue to strengthen our faith in Jesus as our Savior uh, so that when you come, when he comes on that day, we may be found holy and blameless because we are covered in the blood of Jesus. Bless us to this end. We ask you to bless us, help us to love each other, and let us represent you well in our community in all ways. In your name we pray. Amen.